come so full. Oh, couldn't possibly have another. I've eaten so many. I need to just lie down, let everything digest a bit. Oh, God. It was so many skits. Oh, so many things. So many things we've listened to. Oh, oh excuse me. God. I can still taste the queer trends, ladies. Oh, yeah, and the, uh, the things we've played. Oh, I, just, oh. I couldn't have another. I couldn't have another. Oh, God, the the things we listened to are so good. Oh, I feel like I'm going to need a nap now to recover. Yeah, yeah. Oh. oh, how about something to watch while we lie down? Oh, I mean, oh, 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 there's going to be a big poo later. Oh. Greetings, strangers, queer and pleasant. I'm not Laura Kate Dale. And I'm not Jane Aris Magnet. And welcome to another episode of Queer and Pleasant Strangers, that podcast where two queer trans ladies tell you about our weeks, and sometimes more than one week, because it's UDP. And we do skits and silly voices and talk about what we've been up to. Yay. How are you doing, Jane? I'm very full of dinner. Yeah? You just had a very big dinner. It wasn't very big. Well, it wasn't nearly as big as... As our UDP dinner. Mm. Yes. Uh, on so on the festive day, we both ate so much that we had to have probably like a two-hour lie down on the sofa to recover. And neither of us ate breakfast the next day. Yeah. Too many vegetables. Too many vegetables, too many, too much stuffing, too much fake turkey and pig, fake pigs and blankets. And, mm-hmm. oh, oh, so much food. Mm-hmm. Oh, goodness. It has been nice to have some time off work. It's been lovely to have some we, time We've had work. some time off together and we relaxed and did nothing a bit and saw friends and had a good... We had a good time. And we're recording this on Nude Queer's Eve, so... Oh, yes, yes. By the time this goes up, it'll be 2020, but we're recording yeah. this in the last little bit of 2019 yeah. we have last. Sneaking one more podcast in. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Shall we get on to our very big list of things we've done the last couple of weeks? Yeah, it has been a... Busy, busy couple of weeks. Um, we played a lot of board games because we've had the time to do that, which is yep. nice. Um, Should we start with... We went back and replayed some Clank, Mummy's Curse. Yeah, because I think that's the one we've probably played least of. Yeah, so we, we enjoy a good bit of Clank. We've talked about it before. It's a physical board game, uh, but it also is a deck builder <sighs> and uh, you have to collect a bunch of treasure and get out before the monster gets you. In this case, a mummy. Indeed. Um, Mummy's Curse has a few like unique mechanics that I think are interesting. Notably, the map is segmented into four sections, mm-hmm. and every now and then you have to roll a dice and... Uh, a d4? Yeah, and uh, the mummy r- moves around these four sections of the map, and uh, there are benefits to attacking it. You get more money than you would normally get for attacking a creature of that difficulty. But you get a curse. But you get a curse, but you can also fight the mummy to get rid of half of your curses, and a lot of the game is sort of playing risk-reward with, I can go this route, but I'm going to get these curses that lose me points at the end of the game. Can I risk doing that and then still have time to maybe get rid of the curses later? Slash, is what I'm earning going to be worth it if I don't get rid of them? Mm. Um, We had a lot of fun with it, as we, we yeah. often do. I do love a bit of Clank. It's nice to play with all the extra bits from Mummy's Curse. Yeah. It's a fun board to play. Uh, we played it with the companion app. Did play with the companion uh, app. And which 
beat me by almost, uh, like, more than double, I think. I got, like, well over 200 points. I had a really good game. It was a good game. We discovered that we can send your phone screen with the with the companion app onto the TV. We did? Yeah, which is... That was a cool thing that we could do. It was a cool thing. It made it much easier than trying to squint at the app. Yeah, exactly. When I'm not wearing my glasses. It, we've talked about it before. Clank, um, is it Renegade Games? Renegade Games. Yeah. They, they have a companion app for a lot of their, their games. That companion app's really fun. It's just like a little extra randomised element that you can throw in when certain objectives happen or yeah. you can use to help yourself play single player and things like that. It's, it's um, I mean, like with the Clank in Space stuff, you it's got a whole campaign. It was nice to see that Mummy's Curse had got a, a thing because, like, um, uh, I think Silk and Gold, golden, the Golden Silk expansion doesn't have um, yeah. a thing. But, um, yeah, Mummy's Curse does, Sunken Treasure does. Yeah. It it was nice to go back to that game. Clank has been, like, a consistent favourite board game for us, and it's nice when we have time to go, yeah, let's dip back into that a bit. It is, it is my favourite my favorite of the deck building games, although sometimes RNGesus will fuck you over. Oh, very Real much. Bad. Yes. While we're on the subject of Renegade games, we also played another Renegade game. We game. did! You got me a Renegade games I game. Did. For for UDP, yes, uh, it's Power Rangers Heroes of the Grid. Heroes of the Grid. I always mistaken for Battle of the Grid, which is the mobile game. Yeah, the the kind of shitty mobile game they got a switch for. I always forget which one's which, but we have the board game one, which is good. Um, it is a co-op game that like it it most closely reminded me of um, Tiny Epic Zombies, in that sort of like. Horde battling. Yeah, you you and multiple people working in co-op, basically trying to hoard management and be in a bunch of places at once doing a bunch of different things. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the miniatures for this game. It comes with a huge set of miniatures. Yeah. But you've got your sort of putty, putty patrol that's your main swarm. You've got a bunch of really super nice... Super putties? Yep, your super putties. You've got these really nice big uh, like uh, villain and boss... Mm-hmm. figurines that so are pudgy, pretty pretty chunky. So you got Pudgy Pig. Yep. And uh Rita Repulsor. Yep. Uh there is the uh Politicorn. Politicorn's in the expansion. Yes, Politicorn was in the expansion. Um g- gosh, I I forgot how much I love some of these terrible silly villains. Uh Rito Rip- uh, Rito Rito Repulso. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um uh What's it? There's like Commander Crab or Commander Crayfish. Commander Crayfish. That's it. Yes. Oh, Power Rangers had some nonsense villains, and I yeah, love, love it. Oh, um, the artwork's nice. Yeah. The miniatures. Are, I was expecting like seventy second scale, and I think they're thirty second. Yeah, they're they're nice chunky size, and they don't feel fragile or anything. They're mm. nicely detailed. They're you know they're they're a solid miniature. Yeah, they're they're really good size. They're really nice weight. Um, um, when I've w- seen someone paint them, they look really yeah. nice painted as well. And when you get a little overrun, like they're big enough that it, you know, you've got a good sense of like, oh, the map is properly getting overrun here. Mm-hmm. We played it in two player co op. It's up to five. Yes, and we struggled a little. We were struggling to win with yes. the sort of uh, altered two player rule set. Mm-hmm. We found that quite often we just couldn't be in enough places frequently enough. Yeah, I don't know if that was us or maybe I missed something in the two-player rules, but 
when we played it again in basically two players each controlling two different rangers yeah, we, separately rather than yeah like as we, one we we played the four player rule set and just each of us was two of the players yeah. um and we got on a lot better it definitely felt better balanced for that four player co-op um just because when you're playing the the two player rule set in the book each of you has two rangers, but they have to go to the same place at the same time each turn. They have to move together. Mm-hmm. Whereas when playing it as four players, we had the same number of rangers, but they could go to twice as many locations, which meant... Because they had extra actions. Yeah, or and they could be separated from each other. Yeah. So you, of the five locations, you could at any one time have four of them guarded by someone and basically relocate resources as and when tough stuff showed up. Yeah, because the problem in the two player specific rule set was you only had two action points and then the like the two um what recharge or whatever it yes. was in the middle. Yeah. As opposed to when we were playing with four people each having two actions, so one could start a fight, one could they and they both could move. Yeah. Potentially they could go to two different places during a particular turn. Yeah, it and, it just gave us fights. so many more crowd control options. Yes. And it was still like pretty down to the wire. We were still mm. like up against it to win, but it felt it definitely felt like if we play it again two player, we might well play it that way again rather than so. the in the book two player rules. Yeah. Or maybe we could work out some um, I could work out some way to spin yeah. it. But like I really liked the the mechanic where you can use your abilities um to ha- basically you can you can work cooperatively with the other people on on the space. You know, it, it doesn't have a traditional turn structure. It's, mm. okay, now it's the rangers attacking turn. Everyone who's in this location, decide amongst yourselves who's going to do a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, You can sort of jump into the order as and when. Yeah, there's no specific turns, really. It's like, who can do what? What is most sort of useful for the team? Like, what do you think is the most useful action at this time? And who's going to take it? And additionally, each of the rangers has like a very specific thing they are good at, which mm-hmm. we felt a lot more of that when we were playing like the decks separated out into their separate colours. I, I found it a lot easier to go, oh, okay, this is what this deck is good at. Like the yellow ranger is really good at recycling cards back into the deck. Um, uh, the red ranger is really good at I'm going to... You know, throw some extra dice on everyone else's rolls. I was playing pink and black, so both of mine were heavy hitters. <laughs> yeah. But I, I had a lot of fun with it, and I'm excited to play more of it. Yeah, definitely. Renegade games know how to make a good game. Yeah, they do. Although, um, I'm not sure if... Despite having seen the miniatures now and gone, those are really nice miniatures, I'm still not sure I would um, go to the effort of buying the, like, the, the Megazord expansion. Yeah, because usually the Megazord is resent, uh, represented as a token. It doesn't come out until very late in the game. Yeah, so spending I think it's like twenty quid to buy the the uh, the Megazord. I'm going to use Bunny as miniature because it yeah. can't be that many. Yeah. Well, see, here's the thing. Next time I go and see my parents, I will go and grab one of my uh, my old Megaswords out of their loft, and uh, mm. we will keep that near the game box to be like, this is this is our miniature. Does this mean we can get the, all the separate Zords out and, and have them for when we get awarded our Zords? I, I think we can make that happen. <laughs> I think I might need to make that happen. Yay! Yay! Um, so yeah, other stuff that we played. Um, we played a bunch of Super Mario Party. Yeah, we did. Because we played some of that together and then we had uh, we had a friend round and we mm-hmm. played a bunch more because it's, it's, a, it's a good not-too-thinky 
game. Yeah. Um, I had a lot of fun going back to that. I continue to find Mario Party just a really fun concept, as much as it screws people over. Cool. Um, apparently there is a limit to how many friends you can have in and Super Mario is Party. Four. Is four. We did not know this. We had a game where we were convinced we were going to get all of the friends. All of the friends. All of the friends. But Shy Guy had none of the friends. But Shy Guy had none of the friends. But, no but, friends or stuff or... There were like two of us on the computer who each had like three to four friends who were just like, yeah, he's so many friends. And it was me going, I've barely rolled anywhere or moved anywhere or got any friends and I don't have any stars. We had, had, I think, the most star-rich game of that game I've ever seen. Like that one where we were playing on the the golden map. Between us, we must have had about 20 stars as Something a Something like that. And it was group. only a 15, 15 round game. Yeah, we were we were sprinting around that pool. <laughs> Zoomies. Uh, what about you? What else have you been playing? Well, I, I've, I've played a little bit more uh, Stardew Valley, but I think we've talked enough about that on the show by now. Um, I started playing Surviving Mars. Oh yeah, you did. I've moved to Mars. Uh, how is Mars treating you? I am. I'm slowly setting up space communism. Hooray! And uh, my my colonists are doing very well. Uh, I have a small colony building. I'm thinking about restarting. Yeah. Like I've I've got. A, I feel like I've got a pretty good idea, and maybe I didn't make the best decisions. Have Have like, you fallen right into the trap that lots of people do with these kind of games, where it's you get about you get like maybe four hours in and go. I know how to do that better. Let's restart. And then next time you get like eight hours in and go, I know how to do this better. I'm going to restart. It's. I think it's less that and more <laughs> a sort of like, if I had been deciding right from the very beginning, I might have mm. made slightly different decisions. As it was, like, I didn't pick a great location. Yeah. I didn't really know what I was doing with regards to certain resources. I, I seem to have picked an area of the map that is really resource light. Ah, so, um, and then, like, some of the decisions I made with regards to what faction and stuff I wanted to play and what my specialties. It it hadn't given you quite enough information to understand from the offset the impact of some of those choices. Is that yeah. fair? Uh, and also I decided to play a solo game. Yeah. So I am playing, like, just as me and there's no one else on Mars and usually you would play it with, like, at of like three random factions that would be on Mars with you and at that point you have the option of setting up trading so yeah. if your area doesn't have something you can just sort of pop off and, and sort of go hey I've got fuel if you've got machine parts anyone <laughs> rather than you know trying to strip my earth yeah because <laughs> it, it feels like a really I've been very con- it's like it's not a thing in the game but I've been very conscious of that like I don't want to keep just Sending things from Earth because then they're gonna have no resources there. Yeah. And, uh, given that I would imagine this isn't set like too far distant future, <laughs> it feels weird that, that yeah that would be a thing. But yeah, I'm I'm slowly setting up uh, space communism on Mars. I will automate the factories and everyone will live in luxury. And <laughs> um, I've I've got like all the um terraforming expansions, so yeah. potentially I could make Mars green. Oh. That uh, takes a very long time. <laughs> and what about you? Have you played anything else? Uh we played some more board games. Board games. We went back and played some more stuffed, which is a game we've talked about before. It is a uh it's a dice roller. It's a, it's a dice roller. You roll a bunch of dice, try and get the right resources to buy some cards that will allow you to eventually uh, 
you recruit allies and eventually finish the objective. Uh, the thing with this one is you have two... What are those negative cards? Um, you don't have to play with burdens, but like yeah. it, it's. I think it's a better game if you play with burdens. Yeah. But basically, you have to sort of get through the things that sort of held you back in life. Mm. You have to sort of let those go. Yeah, so you'll, you'll have objectives that might be collect three of this otherwise useless resource or collect this type of... Collect um, one of everything. Yeah. Lots of like very specific things that you have to clear out to then be able to go for your main objective. Mm -hmm. You've got things you can do along the way, like recruiting people who will allow you to change the result of one of your dice, mm -hmm. or, you know, this, that, the other. It's it's a really simple game, and it's not yeah. a hugely lengthy one. It's just pick some, roll some dice, look at some pictures and some symbols. The artwork is beautiful. Oh, the artwork is gorgeous. All of these the sad stuffed animal creatures. Mm-hmm. Oh, stuffed is really fun. It's adorable. And um, it's... Yeah, I mean, as I've mentioned before on the show, like there, is, there is one bit that is only mentioned in the like the story of the manual mm. that made me go a bit ooh. Yeah. Um. But apart from that, it's it's pretty pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I had a lot of fun playing it, and I tend to just not read the manual because I know how to play it now anyway. That's fair. But yeah, like um, and I think as long as you remember to spend like like. Use the thing that comes up most often on the dice to get, uh, like, advantage cards. Yeah. You can do pretty well with getting through and not being hurt by, like, the randomness of dice. Yeah, exactly. And there's a... The, the, the character recruitment system gives you a lot of ability to manipulate your dice roll so that it isn't... You know, it's not a Yahtzee or something where you are just yeah. counting on, on sheer luck. Exactly. Um... Have you been playing anything else in the last couple of weeks? We played some drop mix together. Yeah, this is another one that we've we've talked about before. Yeah. Uh, plastic board uh, cards that have got little NFC chips in them. Bluetooth to your phone. You you make music by by swapping in like here's a new drum line, here's a vocal line. Mm -hmm. uh, change the the key and the BPM. Here's the strings from Bring Me to Life and the the. Bass line from Bangarang and yeah, and the vocal line from a uh, childish Gambino song. Yeah, um, I continue to find that a really fun thing to play around with. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like the thirty or so quid I paid for the board and like mountains of cards was money well spent. I do not think I could have justified the £120 for just the board that this was when it released. No, and um, I still can't justify buying expansions, yeah. because what if the service just isn't there one day? Well, this is it. I mean, I realise it's Hasbro, but still. Yeah, every now and then <clears throat> I will look on, on eBay and, you know, Facebook Marketplace or Amazon, I will look and just go, is anyone shifting some of these cheap? And if so, are they any that we don't have? Mm. Um... I'm not opposed to picking more up, but I feel like I, I would struggle to justify the cost that they, you know, at retail price sell these for. Yeah, because it's like five pound for three cards, I think usually. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not a good uh, value. No, whereas we have like a lot of cards that just came with it, and I'm like, yeah, that that I can that I can do. Um, but we we made some some new bits of music that we the, we were happy with. Mm -hmm. We continue to have a good fun night playing around with it. Yeah. Yeah, what about you? What else have you been playing? Well, we played some, some Brawl. 
Oh, some, some Super of that Smash? Uh, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. Oh, Ultimate, yes, sorry. Uh, yeah, we played we played Smash Brothers. Yeah. Uh, we had a good fun time doing that. Mm-hmm. It was nice and silly. It was nice and silly. I, I think that game, in the kind of way that we play it, where none of us are particularly great, um, it benefits <laughs> from having... <Said> the ringer. <laughs> I, I mean, I won about a third of the games, as did we all, I think. I think we all had a pretty even win-loss ratio. Um, I think it benefits from having more people and lots of items and just yeah. let it get silly. Mm-hmm. It's clearly been a while since I've played it, because I I had a very lengthy download and update process and was suddenly <laughs> like, oh yeah, I've not tried out these new characters. I haven't seen any of the expanded characters because I don't have the season pass, but it was it was interesting like playing as um, the piranha plant and Oh yes. Who else? I think you played as I played as Banjo Joker? and uh, Banjo and Kazooie, played... I played as Joker a bit. Um the Piranha Plant's like very strong but very unwieldy to yes. move. And I seem to spend most of my time just flying up in the air. <laughs> um Banjo, I I like how many of the moves are very familiar, like directly pulled from the source material. Which is nice. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, just, I, I very much enjoy Smash. He's very silly. Uh, anything else? Uh, we played the cat game. Oh yes, we played the cat game. It had a furry box. Yeah. Hashtag relatable. <laughs> this was a very simple game. Yeah, it's just a, a sheet of acetate with some pictures of cats underneath. Yeah. And a, and a few marker pens. It's, it's basically Pictionary, but what if you had some pictures of cats that you had to incorporate into your Pictionary? Mm-hmm. And none of it was terribly complicated, no. but it was silly, quick fun. Indeed. It was it, it was good fun. I, I quite enjoyed the fact that I managed to draw vo- draw and have somebody guess volleyball before it even drawn a line. Oh, you put Just my arrangement of cats. You arranged your cats as I was like volleyball. Go <laughs> <ahead>. <laughs> okay, it's it's the kind of harmless game you could pull out for like any kind of family gathering, and no one's going to get offended by. Exactly, definitely good for like if you've got sort of younger family members. Yeah. Uh, we went back and played more Unstable Unicorns. Yeah. That continues to be a really fun uh, nonsense card game. Absolutely. It, it's one of those ones where it is just a lot of... Once you've played it a few times and you know the cards that can get very dangerous very quickly, mm-hmm. it's save up your ability to say nope until the scary things show up. I've had a surprisingly small number of nopes in that game. So did I, there yeah. There didn't seem to be many nopes going around, because the game, like, for a start, did not go on that long. No. And usually it's, like, noping around the table a bit. It it was the first time I've played a game of Unstable Unicorns where the uh, the puppy went round. Yes. So the whole aim in this, we've talked about it before, get seven unicorns in, in, in your stable. You can pl- pick up one card per turn, play one card per turn. Lots of the cards will have abilities to help you summon more things or protect your things, that that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this puppy-based card that basically, when you put it out in your stable, every turn it moves to whoever's turn it is. Because it's very um, excitable. Yeah, so it's basically... It effectively takes the win condition down to six unicorns rather yeah. than seven. Um, 
I've never seen that actually get played and stay out and go around in circles, and the person who played it very nearly got a win out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think because everyone ganged up on me really early on, I had maybe two unicorns. Yeah. Like, max by the end of the game. Well, and that included the poppycorn. Your first two or three card attempts were, like, some of the scariest cards in the game. Yeah. And then I got nothing. And because everyone had been so, so focused on me, nobody was paying attention to you or Colin. He 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 he. Uh, other stuff we played. We played a new board game. We did. We played, well, uh, we, we bought uh, Forbidden Desert. Yeah, we, we, we picked up Forbidden Desert for some friends. For some friends. And then we played it when, when we were with those friends. Yeah. Uh, how would you describe this board game? Uh, so you've crash landed in a desert and you have to try and get all the pieces for an airship to try and escape before you die of thirst. Yes. So you've got these 24 tiles arranged in like a 5x5 five five grid with, with one space missing. And your whole aim is to turn these tiles over, see what's on the other side, is it the part of the ship? What makes it more complicated is after every turn, there's this deck of cards that move a storm around, and they basically shuffle the locations of the tiles on the board. Like, if the storm moves in one place, the tiles will move to, you know, fill in the gap. And as they move, they get more sand on them. Yes. And you've then got to use an action to dig up the sand before you can flip the tile over to see what's on it. So you're managing, like, three different lose conditions uh, that all sort of get faster and faster as time goes on. You've got running out of sand, like if too much sand ends up on the board and not in the reserve and there's no more, you know, the storm moves but there's no more sand tokens left. You're buried, you die. You're buried, you die. Um, If you take too long to play the game, the storm gets faster and faster and more and more cards get drawn from the storm deck and then the storm got too big, you die. And you've got your personal water reserve which, if that runs out, you die, and that's that. And if seems... one person dies, you all die. Yes, and that seems like the biggest thing to avoid because yes. you don't have a huge amount of water. Uh, the sun beats down and makes you take a drink pretty frequently, mm-hmm. and unless you have like, there's different um, character archetypes you can play as. Unless you have the one that can go and get water whenever they want to bring to everyone, there is a very limited amount of water on that map you have to manage. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are three potential wells, one of which is just a mirage. Yep. And each one you can only collect from once. So you've got two refills of your canteen and some tunnels to hide in to avoid having to take a drink. You can maybe find a spare canteen under one of the tiles. But that's about it. That is about it. It's it's a lot of find a safe spot and then just like duck out of it, get rid of a bunch of sand, get back to safety. Ooh. Um, I thought the classes in this, more than most co-op games I've played, we really lent into what is my my class ability, my faction ability. I will do this. I will do that thing exclusively on my turn. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there, were, there were some really interesting abilities. Yeah, I believe it's made by the same people as Pandemic, and it really had that Pandemic, play your role and the game hates you. <laughs> yeah. Um, there were some interesting classes. We had, like, the climber that can move over blocked sand tiles. Yep. Uh, the water one who could go and get extra water from the well on their turn and, you know, bring it and pass it to other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a navigator who could move people, like, three times as much as normal per action, but they could only do that to other people, not to themselves. 
what else did we have? Uh, we had uh, one who could clear multiple oh. sand off of a spot. Yes, yes, the very effective uh, archaeologist. Mm-hmm. We had a person who could look through the storm deck and maybe move things around. The meteorologist? Yeah, it, it was a lot of... Okay, well, I'm the navigator, so I'll do all our big movement. I'll move everyone around. Um, if everyone sticks near the climber, the climber can carry them when I make them do the big move. Uh, the archaeologist, if they're near the sand, they can clear up all the sand for us. And, like, lots of... If you can do more than one point of thing with your action, you're our person doing it. Because mm-hmm. that's how to, you know, save your resources. Optimize. Yeah. And even with optimizing, it was still a tough but oh, you know, yeah. tough but fun game. We were we were down to our last couple of water. Like, can we make it to the airship? Mm-hmm. Oh. But we made it. Yeah, it's really fun. And it's fun building the airship. Oh, it's all these different pieces that the, clip together. The physical airship toy is so much fun. Mm-hmm. It's it's a really nice miniature. Yeah, it's, when it's done, it's definitely fun. It's got a little um, metal engine and a propeller that spins and a little. Sundials? Sundial thing, and then like a weird star thing that goes Yeah, like a sun crystal. Some kind of sun crystal thing. I'm assuming that was what powers the propeller. I guess so. Like a solar crystal or something. Something like that. Yeah. Uh, That that was a lot of fun. I definitely want to play more of that. Uh, I finally got to play Settlers of Catan. Oh yeah, a game I had never played before. It's a it's a it's a fun game. Mm-hmm. You, you can see why it's so many people's like introduction to more than Monopoly. Yeah. Um, for anyone who's never played it, it's big hexagonal uh, tile grid, I think, and uh, each tile has a number on it, and when you roll that number, that resource, you know, you receive that resource. Um. You build houses, you build little roads that you can build houses elsewhere. You try and get enough resources to collect points and win. It's nice and simple. Big randomised elements. Um, we we did not have a, one, of, one of the very basic uh, resources. The number for it just never rolled. and We were having an interesting time it with that. It wasn't rolling for anyone except one person at the table. Yes. We we had brick on the table. A four or a five with two dice would have got brick. And statistically, five should be a lot more common of a dice roll than four. However. However, four came up time and time and time and time again. And we're sat there on five like, where's our brick? We need brick. You and Colin were sitting there on five. I was sitting there going, I didn't know I needed brick this badly at the start of the game. <laughs> I'd have planned better. Yeah. Well, we've played it once through... I I think the rest of us at the table have played it, but not in a long time. But it's a bit fresher now, and I'd I'd definitely be up for playing that with with that group of people again. Now we're sort of a bit fresher on, oh yeah, that's what we need to do. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Anything else you've played? I built a Millennium Falcon (gasps) Lego set. Yeah, you did. Thank you very much. That's alright, I'm glad you liked it. I loved it. It was great fun. How was... was like a six-hour build. How was... How was the build? It was lots of fun. I like a long build. Um, it's got lots of little details on it. It's... It's fun to sort of... Sort of mess around with all the different bits. Mm. It's got lots of action-y bits. It's got lots of minifigures. So it's got a Finn, a Lando... Someone Uh, from the new film who's... Chewbacca. Chewbacca. C-3PO and R2-D2. Yeah, yeah. I think it, I think it's got that person from the new film who, like, 
looked down from the hatch at one point near the beginning and was yes. like, you can help me by winning with the resistance. Yeah. Spoilers. He appears for like three seconds and says, please beat the bad guys. I don't think that's a huge spoiler. Spoilers. 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 <laughs> uh, yeah, it looks like a really nice build. It's got it lots of And it like, looks really fun on our coffee table. <laughs> yeah, lots of movable pieces and bits that open up so you can get a better look inside mm. and... It's it's a it's a nice model. It really is, and it's obviously sort of the latest version of that because I've been chatting to people on Facebook going like, I had the version like three years ago specifically for like um prob- probably um Last Jedi I guess. Yeah, yeah. But um yeah, it seems to be just something they iterate constantly. Well, I mean, it's a popular thing. I can mm-hmm. see why people would routinely go, yeah, I'd like a Millennium Falcon. Millennium Falcon. Yeah. We need to find a permanent place for that to live, but yeah. we need some, some more shelves. At the moment, I just like looking at it. It's just like... Oh. I mean, for now, we can totally leave it on that table, but yeah. we've got D&D... The first, the first time we played like uh, board games or D&D, it's going to need to move. Yeah, well, we've got D&D coming up like the weekend you're listening to this. Yes. Um, In fact, it will have already happened by the time people hear this. Indeed. And Spoilers for next week's episode. Yeah, we're probably going to need to move it before then to somewhere. Yeah. We'll we'll find a spot for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you done anything else in your played of the last couple of uh, weeks? I think we've finally reached the end of that. Well, I've got one more thing I've been playing. <gasps> I've been play finally been putting my proper time into a game called After Party. Which, uh, did you ever play Oxenfree? Yes. Yes. So this is the new game from from the people who made Oxenfree. And the whole idea is that you play as a pair of of sort of late teens, early 20s young adults who've just finished uh, university and find themselves in hell. Hmm. And they do not remember how they died. They do not know what they did to end up in hell because everyone's being told, here's what you did and here's your assigned punishment. And then they were like, oh, sorry, we're done for the day. Come back in the morning. We'll uh, we'll sort your, your hell assignment out then. So they've got one night off in hell before their eternal damnation starts. And they hear a rumor that there is a way to get out of hell. You have to beat the devil in a drinking contest. So they go off on a mission across hell to basically out drink the... What has been dubbed in this world the king of parties. Um, And as you go around this quest, you basically start unraveling a much bigger situation. You've got two sort of stories you're going through. One is, there's some shit about to go down in hell. Here's a bunch of interesting lore about hell politics. Um, A lot of it feels like, if you're the kind of person that enjoys the lore of, like, Planescape Torment or the most recent season of Dice Funk where it's a lot of here's a lot of like the lore people don't talk about about Christian mythology um, but sort of modernised and made more digestible but then on the other side it's about two friends hmm, dealing with themselves and each other these two lifelong friends and sort of having a very emotional drunk night of just coming to terms with what their relationship with each other and themselves is. Mm. Um, mechanically, um, they do... You have to be okay with the fact that this is a game where you drink alcohol to gain in-game abilities. Um, that is a mechanical thing, and it won't always be beneficial to you, but no. the 
The mechanic from the start is basically like, whenever you go to a demon bar, they will have a selection of drinks on hand that will each unlock new dialogue options for you that may or may not be helpful. So, right. like, certain kinds of drinks, for example, might make you more assertive and aggressive, mm -hmm. um, which, you know, could make you more forceful. It could just really piss people off. You might have a drink that's a pirate-themed drink and you just start talking like a pirate. Um, you can have a drink that makes you a lot more flirty, whether that is helpful or not. Right. Um, and it's about sort of picking what drinks are going to unlock the conversation options that will help you to progress through this sort of choice-based narrative. Huh. Um, it definitely, as it goes on, doesn't glorify the idea of drinking to excess. Oh. Um, it definitely starts as, isn't this funny, we're going to just get really wasted and win, win a match against the devil. As it goes on, it's more like, Oh, okay, now this is delving into we had a bit too much to drink and we're now just crying at each other and having a quite a rough night oh. uh, territory. It's it's a really fascinating game. I'm planning to finish it off the day after we record this. Um, oh. But, like, it's beautifully written and the art style is gorgeous. It uses a lot of, like, contrasting very dark colours with very bright neons. Yeah. Uh, the demon designs are fab. Um, and I just love the the version of hell they've created. Um, they've created a version of hell that is basically yeah, you're here to get punished for all, all eternity, but it's a nine to five. You do your eight hours of getting punished, you've got the evening off to do what you want in hell. C come back at nine in the morning, we'll, you know, get back to stomping on your innards with a bunch of creatures and hanging you from your testicles from the top of a lamppost. But, you know, that's not all day every day. You get you get some respite to go pursue your own hobbies. Nice. It's, it's an interesting version of hell mm. with lots of biblical demons sort of given... given more... Mm, flavour text and context than a lot of things like this would give. Yeah. So I am excited to talk about that more when I finished it. Nice. Um yeah. I think that's everything. Harumble. Should we get on to the next section? Time for this. <gasps> well, the uh election's all done. Yeah, yeah. Well I have to say I'm not quite sure about how Parliament's actually Working. Yeah, seems a little uh, faulty at the moment. Yeah, so um, I've got my Oyster card, just going to head into town for a bit. Yeah, you're going to try and sort it out? Yeah, I figured if I just wander up to the Houses of Parliament and just bash it on the side, it'll be like a like an old telly. Oh yeah, it'll just knock something loose, everything will start working Yeah, again. you know, it'll, it'll stop, you know, being... Uh, as, as faulty and broken as it is, and yeah. you know, might start working for everyone again, yeah. so we can all enjoy it. The image might stop uh, drifting off screen to the right. Yeah, it really is just drifting off to the right. Yeah, might be able to just get it to, you know, go a bit, a bit, bit back to the left. Yeah, it, it, I think there's something wrong with like the the the, the picture the vertical shift or the horizontal shift. Uh, horizontal shift, I think. Yeah, because it, it's it's just all it's all on one side, all yeah. very over to the right. There. Yeah, we could really do with with knocking it loose, getting it, yeah, getting just, it, just give it a good bash on the side. We'll just find the one correct place, and I'm sure it'll just. Oh, just flash back up, and we'll have a uh, workable uh, Parliament again. Yeah. Yeah.
Are you feeling over-social? Oh, I'm so tired. I love people, but I'm exhausted. Has the festive period seen you seeing lots of family and lots of friends, leaving you just out of spoons? I love seeing them, but I just need recovery time. Try Sociomole. Take Sociomole and in just 20 minutes, you'll be ready to handle social engagements again for up to eight hours. Thanks, Sociomole. Warning, sign effects may vary. Please consult your doctor if I can consult So. <gasps> what have you put in your eyes? Uh, well, what do we, what do we want to start on? That's the question. Um, so, we're going to talk a bit about the new Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. I think we're going to do that as a post-credits at the end of the episode. We're going to do some spoiler chat, because... We have some spoilery opinions that enough time has passed we can probably talk about safely. Mm-hmm. Um, my overall thoughts on that film still continue to be, I love 98% of that film. There's like eight seconds that I think was a r- r- really poor choice. And then the last line was just kind of laughable. That was my initial thought on it. On walking out the, the cinema, that was exactly my thought about it. But yeah. I had more time to dwell on it. Yeah. And... I went from my moments of sitting in the cinema going, people aren't going to like this. Oh no, people are going to be very upset about this. People really aren't going to like this to being, I, I am one of those hey, people. Fr- from the time it happened, that eight seconds that we're both going to talk about in the spoiler section, I was really pissed off about it from the moment it happened. I was like... Oh no, 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 no. Oh. I'm talking about other bits in the film. Oh, okay, okay, <laughs> yes, yes. But like, there, there were bits in the film, choices made in yeah. the film that threw out the film. That yes. I was sitting there going, hmm, people probably aren't going to like that. See, here's the thing. I will re-watch this film. Oh, yeah. And with the with knowing how it's going to go, I will still be able to enjoy it. But, like, there are multiple choices in this film that I'm just like, I wish they hadn't done that. Yeah. Uh, they've talked in interviews in the, the couple of weeks since it released about the fact that Abrams has now openly said, oh, yeah, no, what I wanted was to make two films. Um... Then make two fucking yeah, films, um, ding dong. But, but I wasn't allowed because someone else made the second one. So I just made both films in one and smushed them together. He's basically really... He's just really directly acknowledged that, like, he doesn't like the episode 8 that exists. Clearly. So he basically made his own episode 8 and episode 9 and retconned out episode 8 yeah, I and tell. made it one film. Yeah. And not, not impressed. No, I'm like, that's, <laughs> that's just a really disrespectful dick move. Yeah. Like, like if you if you're supposed to be writing in that sort of situation where like yeah. you're getting like one and yeah. three and somebody else has two, don't be like yeah, but but ignore no, two. No, you have to look at what happened in the second one and go fuck it. That might not have been my choice, but what can I do with that? Yeah. How can I make that interesting? Or don't take the the job. Yeah, if you Let can't res- it. there must be people yeah. clamoring who want that fucking job. If you can't respect the choices that the previous director made for the last film in the series. Don't fucking take the job. Yeah. Fuck you and your mystery like, box, J.J. I, 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 I love J.J. I loved episode seven. I thought it was great. I think J.J. Abrams can make a good film. Uh, episode nine was not an example of that. <laughs> uh, I mean, I think I'm going to have to just go back to the 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 answer for how... Yeah. Just how Star Wars is now. 
Yes. Star Wars is for kids. It's a kids movie. It's always been for kids, it's always theoretically. Been for kids. It's not for people who want to overanalyze it and get too far into it. Yeah, but I don't think it's, it's, it's a even... fun spectacle. I don't think and it's... you know what? When I was in the cinema, I had a fun time looking at the spectacle. Well, and the... that is probably what I will enjoy I, again. I agree with you, but I don't even think that we're overanalyzing it. I think that our main problems with it are... A handful of choices that either completely disrespect what the last film did and just weren't consistent with the story being told, or that just do not make sense with the characterization as told. Like, I don't think it's even overanalyzing to go, look at what happened in the series so far and write a story that fits with that. I don't mind it being stupid spectacle, just don't... Just don't, don't do that. Just don't piss all over the last film. Uh, what else did we watch? What else have we seen? We'll get back to Star Wars. Uh, wait, wait Later. around after the outros. Later. Yeah. I, I, uh, we watched. We started watching an anime. We did. We found on Netflix called Cannon Blasters. Yeah, that's again quite a spectacle. Yeah, it seemed quite fun. Um, yeah. It had a very um, cowboy bebop. Cowboy bebop. Yeah, that's the one. It had I've a very not seen that, so. had a very cowboy bebop sort of feel. Um, it was about someone who is on the run from the the state in his big muscle car that transforms into a mech that is a bull with a big ring through its nose. And two people he ends up going on a road trip with, one of whom is a robot girl whose entire face can become a cannon. And body, I think, later yeah. on. Uh, she is more gun than woman. And a tiny child who is a mechanic. Who is also mechanical, I believe. I believe so, yeah. A lot more obviously mechanical. Yes. Um, Going on a big road trip to basically... With this misanthropic yeah. guy who can't die. Yes, yes. It's Every time that something should kill him, he gets a tattooed number on his body. And sort of comes back and he's like, oh, oh there we go. That was uncomfortable. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious about the... the implications of the numbered tattoos every time he dies, whether there's a consequence for that, whether there is a hard limit to how many times he can die perhaps, and maybe that's the amount of skin he's got to tattoo. Um, yeah, it was fun enough. We yeah. watched like four or five episodes of it, and... We, we should probably go back to that at some point. Yeah, I, in I was enjoying it, and I'm, I'd be happy to go back to it. Mm -hmm. Uh, what about you? What else have you been watching? Uh, we watched the never-ending story. Uh, yeah, we did. I had a bit of a UDP nap halfway through <laughs> it, but uh, it's it, yeah, it's a very depressing children's story. Yeah, yeah, it is a children's story. You know, a sort of hero's journey esque thing. Yeah, but one where you watch such sad scenes as a child's <laughs> horse drowning in the sadness mud. Yep. In the dead forest. Yep. Because the, the horse got too depressed to keep walking yep. and, and drowned in the sadness goo. And then meets the nihilistic turtle. It oh, yeah, doesn't the, help at all, really. Oh, it's like, oh yeah, I found the magic turtle. Oh, oh, you, oh, the thing's 10,000 miles away and I've got like two days to get there. Oh. And you don't care about anything. Yeah, you don't care. Okay, the world's gonna die. Thanks, um, turtle friend. This has been wonderful. It's it's from that era of children's films that were just like Return to Oz. Yeah, not explicitly like violent or anything, but just like depressing as hell. Really fucking dark, dark and terrifying. Yeah, 
Yeah. Here's here's a gate with some statues that'll laser blast you into dust if mm-hmm. you, you know, think too much. Fairy stories for the eighties. Yeah. Yeah. Fal uh, Falcor's cute. If a little uncanny. Yeah yeah. Falcor has an adorable nose. Yes, Falcor does have an adorable and nose. And I like the mix of sort of scales and feathers. Yes. I I miss the years where everything was was uh you know, practical, practical effects. effects monsters. Mm-hmm. I as uncanny as Falcor is, I will take that over a CGI thing any day. Definitely, and I think watching Dark Crystal recently probably sort of cemented that even more that that yeah. is still very much the case. Yeah. Uh, we also watched uh, Klaus. Oh, that 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 Netflix uh, Christmas yeah. thing. Uh, and as Justin on Justin McDaniel's recommendation, I I agree that was really amazing 2D animation. As, as a piece of animation, it is a gorgeous thing that animation people should probably study and go. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's a good way to do animation. Yeah, it's a sweet if sort of predictable-ish story. It's a Santa myth. Yeah, there's a there's there's someone who has rich parents and they're like, hey, stop freeloading off us, go be a postman in a town where everyone hates each other. There's a man here who makes toys and maybe that will be the solution to my post-based problems. We'll deliver toys in the night. But doing nice things for people will help other people do nice things for other people. Indeed. And in turn, niceness will happen. Indeed. Mm. It, it, was a, it was a sweet spin on a Santa myth. Yeah. Uh, and as someone who was literally only watching it for the animation. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I still quite enjoyed that film and didn't find it overly Christmassy. Yeah. Yeah, um, we watched the first Wallace and Gromit movie. Oh the yes, Day Out. the Grand Day Out. Uh, I always forget until I'm watching the Grand Day Out how how much the pacing improved after the first one. That the the first one definitely has a lot of like awkward pauses in its delivery. Oh, I like the awkward pauses. Oh, I'm not <laughs> saying I watch David Lynch movies. I'm so. not saying it's bad. It's <laughs> it's just it's it feels like a very different beast. Yeah, I guess so. Um, yeah, it's just a story about two friends going to the moon to get some cheese. Yeah. And the uh, weird coin-operated oven robot? M- Murderbot. <laughs> oven robot murder thing that dreams of skiing. Yeah. Yeah, it was... <sighs> I don't know how you put that story on paper and went, yes, this is the story we need to make, but it works in... <laughs> I think I think you just ignore everyone else and just make it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm still amazed at like the quality of the end product of that. Like that is a well made bit of stop motion. Yeah, but you can tell it's hand done as well. <laughs> oh god, yeah. Like I dread to think how long that took. A very long time. Yup. But yeah, it's it's a fun and slightly surreal story about two friends building a rocket to the moon. Yeah, and I think I. I because I like Egon and Donkey as well, and that's a similar yes, story about yes. two people building a, a, a spaceship, or maybe one person more than the other. Mm. In that case, go, building a spaceship and just travelling a bit and seeing a different world. Yeah. And that was kind of cool. Uh, what about some others? You you watch some others? Uh, yeah, yeah. So there's, there's, a, there's a couple of other bits I watched. Um... I went and watched through an anime that I'd been meaning to to, to give the proper time. Uh, Puella Magi Madoka Magica. Uh, most people, most of the time, it's just referred to as Madoka Magica. It is like thirteen episodes long, and it is a magical girl anime, your sort of Sailor Moon type thing. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but with more of a sort of teen dark twist to it. So it, it's not the sort of like, you know, you watch a Sailor Moon or something where like everything's always going to be okay by the end of the episode. Like, I think someone gets killed within the first couple of episodes of this and sets the tone of like, oh no, there are stakes, people can die. Um, but like, it has, where a lot of these magical girl shows are paced to be like, ongoing, never really ending, monster of the week type shows, mm. this is a much more concise, like, this is a set narrative over 13 episodes that's like, we're going to tell it, and we have an end point, and we're not going to make any more after that. Um, it puts some really interesting spins on where the, the, the magical girl powers come from, and the mm. sort of consequences attached to them, and it tells a really interesting... The, the timeline of the story being told is really interesting. It definitely warrants a more than one viewing. Like, there's definitely stuff on a second watch you'll go, ah, I, I, I see that now. Yeah. Um, the, the core conceit is that there's this magical cat thing that shows up and basically goes, hey, I can make you into a magical girl. you got to fight these uh, these witches that are, that are all over town. No one can see them, but they... They basically cause evil and sadness and despair. Like they're they're blamed for like plagues of illness and people who um uh p- people who get like basically it's lots of bad things happen to people when these witches are around. If you want to become a magical girl, we'll give you any one wish and we'll grant your wish. It can be anything. You get one genie wish and you know it it happens. Your your wish will happen. But your price is you gotta you gotta go fight these witches now. Um and the main character, Madoka, um really interestingly, for the vast majority of this show, doesn't have magical girl powers. She's offered them in the first episode and spends most of the show going like, Is there anything that I want to wish for badly enough that it justifies the fact I will have to spend my life putting myself at risk to fight these creatures? Um and like, there's lots of other characters around her who take take up this this offer and will fight these these witches. And you see sort of what was important enough to them to to wish for and how that all plays out. Hmm. But like, it's just a very unusual spin on magical girl shows. Hmm. Um, and something I would really recommend watching. I think it's it's a really interesting story. Ooh. Yeah, that, that's the thing I watched. Uh, Any others? Yeah, I watched a Netflix true crime documentary. Uh, it's about three hours long, and it was called Don't Fuck With Cats. Um, content warning? Yeah, so content warning, uh, the show deals with animal abuse. Um, the Is this s- the one about the Croydon cat killer? No. Okay, because uh, I hear they have a documentary about that. Uh, if they have, I haven't seen it. So... The short version of this is there is a real person in Canada who committed several killings of of actual people and was one of the most wanted killers in in Canada for a while. And this documentary is from the perspective of a bunch of animal rights activists who initially discovered some quite disturbing videos of abuse to cats Mm. and were trying to track down who had been creating these animal abuse videos. Yeah. And 
their tracking led them to the identity of this killer shortly before they'd killed their first person. Mm. And it sort of tells the story about like how they tracked this person, their struggles getting the police to believe them, the difficulty they had when suddenly like, okay, we told you this person was escalating, they've killed a person now. Mm. Um, and then sort of the, the hunt to try and track down this person once they started killing people. And the role that those animal rights people who were like, look, we've been following this person for years, we know who they are, what they do. You know, it it was an interesting, you know, following of how people track down someone like this. Mm. Content warning for the show. Uh, it's a rough watch if, if animal... Uh, even if it, you know, it cuts away before animals are killed, but it's still... What they do show can be quite distressing still. Uh, the other thing that, like, my, my major caveat with the show is... So, toward the end of the documentary, these doc uh, these animal rights people... One, one of them talks to the screen and basically goes, There's a thing I wrestle with years later. By trying to track this person down, and the fact they knew I was trying to track them down, did I egg them on to do more harm? Mm. Did they do more because they it became a cat and mouse game... They knew someone was watching, you know, if I'd ignored them entirely, would they have, you know, maybe not escalated? Yeah. And then turns to the camera and goes, but the real villain is you watching this documentary because people like you give infamy and notoriety to these kind of killers. And this is exactly what he was hoping for, that people would want to know about him. So really, you watching this documentary... Maybe you're the real reason he killed those people and animals. Then please allow me to retort with a solid FUCK YOU she, documentary. Yeah, like, here's the thing. If the person was still out there, you could maybe make an argument for, okay, maybe you're... Uh, you can maybe make that argument of, are you feeding into the likelihood of him doing things? But it's like, this is a documentary released years after he's he's in prison, you're not going to egg him on to kill more people now by watching this. Mm. And, like, you made the documentary. If you feel this way, that viewers of the documentary are the real problem, don't make the documentary? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's, um, that's quite a thing. Yeah. Have you watched anything else? We watched something else together. What did we watch? Um, we watched an animal. Well, which one was this? Oh, Carol and Tuesday. Yeah. That was disappointing. Ah, uh, so I'd watched like the first three, maybe four episodes of this previously by myself and was like, this is a really nice, you know, gentle watching anime. So I suggested that me and Jane, that we watch it together. It was nice music to put on while I was building a falcon. Uh, yeah. So should we talk about the nice before we get to where it fell apart? It's got nice music in it. Yeah, it's... It's a it's a sweet, gentle story about two people who, for very different reasons, want to make music together in a future world where most music's made by computers. On Mars. Uh, on Mars, yeah. And it's just them trying to, trying to make music and be able to keep doing that. It very much has the pacing and narrative structure of a sports anime. Um, the whole, I'm trying to win this, not to actually be the winner, but just so I can keep doing the thing I love. Mm -hmm. Um, and the music's really sweet. Um, 
Should we get it's, to the... It's, it's all the queer-coded characters. They yeah. are all bad. Yeah. All so of them. We've come across at least three instances in four. the first... Uh, four, yeah. In the first 15 episodes Yeah. Um, of queer-coded characters who fall into some repeated tropes. And they get worse as it goes on. Uh, it went from, like... I, like, I think I missed the first one. It was only when I was reading yes. back through it. Like, the fact that it was explicitly mentioned a thing. Yeah. The other thing... Um, that there were, there were issues of people of colour in it as well. I... Yeah. Mm. The way they were coded. Yes. There, there are lots of people of colour of different skin tones and roles and body types, and that's great. But there are also some examples of, like... Ah, the the these two characters need to learn a cool handshake. Insert random black guy to teach them. Who uh, has appeared once before and hasn't appeared again since. Yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, the queer coding of characters. There's a lot of um discrepancy between the subtitles and the dubbed English as to exactly what they're trying to. They're, they're using a lot of terms, but not using them in the. The ways that we use them today. Yes, there, there, there are things that are like a, the the sub and the dub are saying two different things. Yes, like the sub I think said non-binary. The dub said hermaphrodite. Well, I, I think it was the other way around. The 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 dub. Oh, no, the one said yeah. the the dub said in the the, the dub said oh, yes. um uh non-binary and the sub said uh, intersex. Yes, there was one where the subtitle said. Uh, said hermaphrodite, which is, you know, not a term that we really use anymore. Not for humans. Uh, not for humans. Um, whereas the dub said something like androgynous. Yes. Um, but like the sim- and that's supposed to be because of Mars's atmosphere. It does yeah. something to people's it, hormones. Yeah. So th- the short version is one of the characters who is a woman who is not traditionally attractive in the way she's presented, who is voiced by a man. Uh, was clearly at some point mask presenting, um, but is n- now. It's very unclear what they're, uh, how the show wants to present them, but they are abusive towards their child, and yep. they've become more femme presenting, and it's, and they are referred to as mum. Yeah, it gets into that category of oh, is this trying to represent this as a domestic abusing trans, trans woman? Um, You've got the drag queen type characters that um, swore in harmony. Yeah, that do a very swearing filled song, and then when it's not received well, they get angry and physically try to attack people. Yeah. Uh, you've got the, I, I guess David Bowie or someone was the sort of inspiration. Maybe the hard to say. The the sort of androgynous presented character who lived in the giant glass egg. Yes, and um, he's like supposed to be like an amazing musician. Yeah, and that that was about the point where you just went from, ooh, that was a bit iffy to just. It, here's the thing: it happened once or twice, and we were like, "This isn't great," but we'll keep watching. And then it happened a third time. I think it's it's. It, I think it's also because we're just used to having to sort of grin and bear it a lot yeah, with media. It's, here's the thing: you can have one shitty. Gender. No, you shouldn't. But if you're, if I'm really enjoying a show and it has one shitty depiction of of a gender non-conforming character, I will probably go. Yikes! That's not great. But I, I'll keep going. I'm liking this show. When you hit like the third one, it's like fuck it. You've you've worn out my patience. And I think the fact that there had been the 
I, I don't know how best to describe them, but like uh, going on your words, we will go with with drag act. Like that, yeah. like a couple of episodes before, I had literally just paused what I was doing and gone. Yeah, I, I feel like maybe that's what they were. I'm I'm j- clasping for terms because the show is so unclear about what it's going. I think for. they describe themselves as mermaids because that there's a whole there's they really do a weird thing about um neither. we're not we're not men or women. Yeah, and it's not in the sense of like hey we identify as non-binary. It's yeah. it's it's more of the ah uh, Mars's atmosphere has made us neither one nor the other. We like it's it's a it's mainly people who appear to have been male assigned at birth who then become more feminine something to do with Mars's atmosphere and most of them seem to be physically aggressive and violent. Yep. And ugh. blah. Yeah. That's a shame. So we I gave was, up on that show. I was I really enjoying music. it. I was really enjoying it until all that. I like the music. I was getting progressively less into it, but yeah. it was something to have on while I built a really cool Lego well, set. It's fine. At at some point, I will show you one of the nice sports animes that is is queer inclusive and positive. Um, we will do that instead. Um, have you watched anything else? I don't believe so. Uh, I think I've watched a couple of other things quickly. Um, I watched a new Pixar short called mm-hmm. Pearl. P-U-R-L as in like hook and pearl knitting oh, as right. opposed to like a, an oyster in a pearl. Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably an eight minute long short about... Um, how, how do I describe this? About male dominated workplaces and the shitty ways they treat women and the ways that women often have to change themselves to survive in that kind of environment and... Uh, like, basically, it's a story about a little pink ball of wool who is voiced by a feminine voice and is clearly, you know, she, her pronouns, um, in this human men workplace. Um, you know, trying to, it's like, she's great at her job, but, like, none of the work people will have a laugh with her at the water cooler or invite her to the after work things. So she ends up sewing herself into being like basically the shape of a human in a in a business suit and basically acting like the guys getting in on all the terrible jokes and you know acting the way they act and they start to accept her and then another you know fresh face ball of yarn joins the company and she has she looks and goes oh well shit i yeah okay no i i don't want to ha- her to have to do what i had to do to survive and like it's it's Pixar going getting real real about real world issues like that it is it is an unflinching look at a at a real world thing. Ooh. It's it's well worth watching. It is once again Pixar make very good short films. Pixar do make good stuff. Yeah, go go watch Pearl. It's well worth eight minutes. Ooh. Um, and then the only other thing I started watching, and this was a recommendation from you, was uh, the panelists. Yay. So. This is spelled like, best like analysts, but with a P at the beginning. Um, as opposed to like panelists, people on a panel. Dyslexic person didn't know there was a difference. Uh, yes, no, it's, <laughs> it's a pun on 
a panel of analysts, oh. whereas it's usually IST. Uh, it, it's a there's a Y in there. I apologise for not mentioning that when I recommended it previously. <laughs> that, that's that's probably why I didn't find it previously. I'm like, oh, I see. I I see the pun now. I can find this. I mean, I told you it was on the ready loading ready run channel. Indeed, so. I forgot to go look at it there. But you were watching one. I went, this is funny. I'm gonna go watch it. Okay. Um, it is a light-hearted comedic panel show where silly situations are posed and yep. people make their jokey responses about how to yeah. how they would get through them and it's like 20 minutes long and it's yeah. just sort of silly people having fun yeah. talking about ridiculous situations exactly it's like hey you've got a shoe you can throw back in time to stop one of three things stopping existing in the late 1960s are you going to save cool ranch doritos uh the original legend of zelda or uh, Labyrinth starring David Bowie. Legends of Zelda. Well, see, yeah, that, that seems like the obvious answer. Initially, the two teams were like, oh yeah, no, obviously we let Cool Ranch Doritos go, but then they got onto a conversation about, wait, if Cool Ranch Doritos go, does that mean like all other flavour variants of Doritos that came after that go, and then all of the other companies don't have an incentive to do their flavour variants? Do we just lose like all cool, interesting flavour variants of, of crisps if we do this? What's the ripple effects? We end up eating delicious poppadoms instead, like mini poppadoms. They would become the, the dominant snack. I would enjoy a cool ranch do- a poppadom. I love poppadom snacks. They're yeah. great. Um, so yeah, that's just a fun little thing to recommend. Mm. So thank you for putting me onto that. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I think that's everything I've watched this week. I think you're right. Well then. Time for this. Time for this. Inside the boardroom of Electronic Active Softworks. Hi. 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 So, so, the year is, uh, is finishing up. Finishing yeah, up. yeah. UDP is, uh, pretty much wrapped. I've, I've enjoyed my time off. Uh, shame we, uh, couldn't give that to the, uh, the interns. Ha! Ha! Yeah, I mean, it was also kind of a shame I couldn't bring some of the interns home to just flog them. Like, wait. I felt like my flogging arm wasn't really getting wait, the Wait, you, you didn't take any of them home to flog? We, we can take them home. I mean, there's nothing in their contract to stop us. There's nothing in their contract. Ha! Ha! So, so, I've been thinking. End of uh, 2019, yeah. start of 2020. Yeah. And uh, I think there's a fantastic opportunity for us to make a bunch of money without any work. I like those Yeah, ones yeah. So, in that order. So, you know how every year we, we you know, take games that we, we've already put out and we, you know, bundle some of the DLC together and we sell it again as a new thing, as Game, game of, of the, the year. year edition. So yeah, so the year is over. Great opportunity to do Game of the Year editions again. But, but, it's also the end of the decade. Right. I think we can go back into a decade's worth of things we've made. Right. And re-release them all with just, you know, updated box art. But just the box art. Just right? the box You're art. You're not going to make them work on modern systems or anything. No, right? no, 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 oh, no. Okay. God, no. But, you know, it's, 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 it's retro remasters or something. Ah, but nice, nice. We just put Game of the Decade Edition and we've suddenly opened up our entire back catalogue to resell. You are a fucking genius. I know. Lola, we've got a new sponsor. Who's our new sponsor? This week's sponsor. Well, well, did you get a calendar over the uh, UDP period? Oh, I I got one much earlier in the year. I I've had my 2020 calendar since about uh, you know August time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've had it for a while. Mm. What what what's wrong? 
No, no, nothing. Nothing. Would you like a, an additional calendar as well? Uh, as sure, I could have one in in my office, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe one on this wall, one on that wall, one yeah. on that wall. What? What? Who's our sponsor, though? This week's sponsor. Well, it's it's Discount Twenty Twenty UK Calendar Warehouse. What? Why? Why are these calendars discounted? Absolutely no reason. <laughs> Holidays. What, what does that sound like? Is that something about bank holidays? <laughs> uh, I, I'm sure you said the word bank holiday there. <sighs> Look, they moved the bank holiday late in the year, so all the calendars that are already been printed have got the wrong fucking bank holiday printed in them. So Wait, there's could... just a warehouse? Wait, yeah, they moved the bank you, holiday. You can just move a bank holiday? The government can do whatever they want now because the Tories won and they're getting us out of... Of Europe, and we have no rights anymore. Nothing. They just do whatever they want. Mayday's moved. Oh, oh, Mayday, 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 Mayday has moved. Yeah. Mayday, the calendars are failing. It's a Friday instead of a oh. Monday, so all the calendars have the wrong date printed them. Oh, okay, but like otherwise, the calendar's fine though, right? Yeah, I mean, but... I just gotta like hand scribble out Mayday and move yeah. right, Mayday in on a different day. Yeah. I mean, how discounted are these calendars? Like 25% off. That's pretty good. Like, considering it's only one date that's wrong, that's yeah. pretty good. I, and I you mean, can have I'm... all the far side pictures you want. I mean, 25% off and all I've got to do is scratch out one line and write one thing new. I'll take that. Well, that's, that's when next week's um, sponsor comes in. Because they do just, like, stickers that fit over standard oh. calendar sizes. Oh, goodness. And it'll just change the date on them. So you can have, like, all the cute cats or... or Possums you want. Oh, wonderful. So where do I get these uh, these very usable calendars? Just head on over to discount2020ukcalendarwarehouse.lol.net.gov Really? I suppose they are responsible. <laughs> and, and, yeah, you can get a slightly incorrect calendar for the year 2020. Woo! At a discount. And you can get additional 5% off if you enter the code QNPS98. 98? 98. Oh, gosh damn. Gosh darn, we're so old. In fact, if if I'm not wrong, I think my birthday edition will be... Episode will, 100. Will be the 100th episode. Oh, I'll feel goodness. even older than I actually am. Oh. So yeah, head, head on over. To discount2020ukwarehouse.lol.net.gov and get a discounted calendar. I'm heading there now. So, <sighs> you put something in your ears, didn't you? I put something in my ears. You put, some, you, you put something in your ears. I put it in my ears. I put it in my eyes as well, but I'm putting it in here because I didn't really listen to anything else. Same. So, <sighs> tell us about... The MCR gig. Yeah, my couple of romance had a reunion show, and while I could not get out there to see it, um, I, I will say, fun little side story first, I received an email like 48 hours before that show going, thank you so much for purchasing tickets, here's the instructions of how to get to the venue, and I was like, I don't think I have tickets, but if I do, can I get to LA in the next 48 hours? Um, but no, what I did was I stayed up until 3am with a friend, uh, Michael Gromans didn't come on stage till 5am, but we were looking for bootleg Instagram live streams of the concert, and uh, big thank you to Instagram user Diet Shampoo, who was one of the people in attendance at that, that reunion show, and 
they live streamed the entire thing in good quality somehow. I'm like, I'm so glad we live in a world where you can you can watch live real time bootlegs of gigs. If it's something like this, you know, or once in a lifetime, you know, you're never gonna see this again. Right. Oh my goodness, it was a hell of a fucking set list. Mm. Yeah, as as a fan of that band who has spent years like hoping for them to come back. Mm. Um they they played through like a real greatest hits with some some good deep cuts in there. Um I'm not okay. Good opener. Everyone fucking loves that track. Thank you for the venom. Give them hell kid. Uh House of Wolves. Uh they did uh Summertime, you know what they do to guys like us in prison? They played stuff off of their uh, uh, conventional weapons, that series of like cut tracks that got released after the, the band had broken up. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did a bunch of stuff that they very rarely ever play uh, from their first album. Stuff like Our Lady of Sorrows. Like They played a lot of their like old, angry stuff they've not played in years. Punky. Yeah. No, no, no. They played a bunch of the Black Parade era stuff. They did like um, Sleep, Mama, I Don't Love You, Teenagers, Destroyer, um, The Kids from Yesterday, Famous Last Words. Oh, it was, it was a hell of a set list. Um, the 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 final the final couple of tracks they ended on Helena and Welcome to the Black Parade. Um, like, it's nice to see that they've, like, that was the only thing they could really escalate from Helena with, and I'm like, I'm glad that they're, that they're not, like, trying to shy away from their old hits, and mm. go, like, this this never happened or anything. Mm. Um, well, they don't have much to be embarrassed about, do they? No, but, like, there, there have been, there have been unsubstantiated rumours that, like, uh, that negative feelings about some of their old albums were lingering things about the band breakup, and... If that's a thing, it doesn't seem to have impacted them. Um, a lot of rumour-mongering basically was like, hey, people only ever wanted them to play the Black Parade, and as such, they got a bit pissed off with it. Which, like, I can get that being a thing. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's like Jimmy Page apparently hates playing Stairway. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, what I found interesting was I would have put money on the fact that, like, before this show ended, they would have said something on stage about, hey, you want to hear more music from us? 2020 is going to be fun. Or, like, you know, some kind of hint at, like, something more is coming. We've got a world tour. We've got more shows. We've got more music. So far, nothing. So far, nothing. Nothing during the show. Nothing since. We know that they're playing a bunch more gigs in late March in Japan and Australia and New Zealand and that part of the world. They're doing lots of festival playing. I would put money on them probably being headliner at one of the UK festivals this year. Like, we'll probably see them back at, like, Reading and Leeds or something. But, um, I... The amount of new merch they have made, including, like, here is a tour bus with a bunch of new logos on the side of it. Like, they're doing a full tour. It's gonna happen. Pipe, pipe, pipe. Like, I would still put money on by by late March when all those other tour dates happen. We will know about new music. That would be my guess. Mm. But uh, yeah, they clearly haven't lost their ability to 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 play that music. They they put on a hell of a show. Um, 
it was nice to see them all having a lot of fun and not necessarily taking it too seriously, and it was nice seeing them all a little bit healthier looking than they had in some of the years of, like, we are a rock band that is on tour forever and never stops and we all look like we could just do with a bit of a rest. Um, laying off whatever drug it is that we're doing to keep going. Yeah, well that that they've they've all had their brushes with that over the over the years, but it tends uh, to happen with touring artists. Yeah, no, like that that was a thing. Gerard Way, like three cheers era was um had had a bit of a coke problem. Um I think it was Mikey Way who after the band's breakup ended up in rehab. Um it it was a it was a thing, but um they seem to just be having fun and not pushing themselves too much, and it was nice to see, like, comics artist and dad Gerard Way, who's just like, oh, I'm a healthy size and I'm just having fun, and here I am being a bit silly, doing a lot of jazz hands on stage. He just seemed to be having a lot of fun. I was like, good good for you. Good mm-hmm. for you. Um, and since then, all I have done is listen to the tracks that were on that set list over and over, going like, ah, they're back. <laughs> they're playing again. I'll go see him again. It's going to happen. Yeah, you will. Yeah. I believe in you. Yeah. See, I got on stage with Ger- with Gerard and his solo tour. I got, I got to get on stage with them as a whole band now. That's 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 the next step. They need their tambourine player back. Yeah, how dare they not bring me out for the reunion gig? Right? Yeah, there was no one to play tambourine. I guess that's why they didn't play Get the Gang Back Together on that 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 stage. Because exactly. how would they do that without me playing tambourine? <laughs> well, uh, I'm sure they can find you on Twitter. <laughs> Uh, have you been playing anything else this uh lis- listening to anything else? Uh I mean when for for Unicorn Dance Party we, we put some, some tunes on. Yeah. Uh I the ones I can remember off the top of my head were na 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 na. Yeah. For for our going to bed tune. <laughs> you know, just really hype us up full of sugar before. Yeah. We, we had uh, Tracy Chapman's Fast Car we listened yep. to. Preceded by uh the, the Mabim Bam skit of Faster Car. Oh, <laughs> I've got an even faster car. <laughs> you should see how fast this car is the car is, that last car was shit. <laughs> I wanna play the fast car video game. Right. <laughs> uh Dessa Fire Drills. Yeah, played Fire Drills. Uh, what else did we listen to? We listened to American Pie and sang this here Anakin guy over it word for word. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And you were like, I didn't realise how long the original was compared to the, the parody. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's all in there. Ah. But yeah, it was a lot of fun. We danced a lot. We put on lots of smoke. We had all the lasers. The lasers. And all the lights. It was fun. Lasers. A lovely UDP. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and we're not doing one tonight because we're recording this, and then I'm streaming, and then we and I'm probably this. working on a D and D campaign until midnight. Yeah, because I, I got I got to finish making a session ready for everyone who's showing up on on the weekend. Hype, 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 hype. I get to play as Ellie again. Heck, well, I think that's everything we've listened to. Well then, time for this. Ah. Hmm. Oh. I can't believe, I can't believe it's this time of the year again. What's that? Uh, is it at the end of the year? End of the year. You know, 2019, we're done with 2019. You might be done with 2019. What do you mean? It's it's about to be 2020. Yeah, but I'm reloading my save. You're what? 
Yeah, I'm reloading my save. I saved at the beginning of the year. Okay, you're doing like n- new game plus. I'm like... just gonna, I'm just gonna save scam it. Oh, you're having another 2019. Yeah, I mean, gonna do it better. You're gonna speed run it. What are you What are you doing with 2019? Yeah, I got some more hacks. I'm gonna speed run it. I found out that if I just, you know, like the the corner of your office over there. Yeah. Just there by the door. If you just run into the corner a lot for a while and then backflip, and as long as you don't hit your head on the chair or yeah. the desk, you will start like just flying backwards through all the walls. Oh, I I know clips all the way to London. Like only a week ago. Um, I mean, like any any other hacks you found for 2019? Can we maybe like you know hex edit some of the data? Yeah, I'm gonna. Uh, I've I've got like a, a code editor that I'm gonna install. Oh, um, and that'll just like hold off the election results. Oh, yeah. So I don't have to deal with with the Tory government at all. I mean, and then if it goes really well, I'm just gonna you. Then I'm gonna do New Game Plus, and I'm gonna take all the cool shit I did and redo it a third time. But you know, so this was my practice run. Then I'm gonna do the really cheaty hacky version. And then I'm going to do Nuke Game Plus, but that one's going to be a walk in the park because, A, I already know what's going to happen twice. And I'm going to have all the cool shit and all the cool equipment. I'm going to have, like, the best armor, the best weapons. But, like, I didn't make a save. What, what about me? Do you think we can import my save onto your file? We can try. Hopefully you won't end up with too many less tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> But thankfully, all of the kittens were returned home safely. And now for the weather with Invisible Bob. Hello, this is Invisible Bob. The weather today will be revolutionary. Billionaires will be falling across the south and a large guillotine front will be slowly heading down throughout the afternoon towards Westminster area, bringing with it a number of pitchforks, torches and a large righteous mob. Fever revolution, back to the studio. Do you know what I want to see more of? What do you want to see more of? Social justice warriors. Social justice warriors. Yeah. yeah. All right, Larry. All right, Barry. How are you doing? Not too bad, mate. Uh, happy unicorn dance party. Well, happy you, unicorn dance party you too. How was uh, your, your festive time been? Yeah, it's been all right. You know, pop me onesie on. Had, had a bit of a shuffle around the around the room. Oh, lovely, lovely. Yeah, caught the uh, the MCR concert. Oh, it's fab, wasn't it? Oh yeah, well pretty, pretty. Turn up for. Oh, I was yeah, proper fanning out about that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, you've been uh, pondering much over this oh, festive period. You know, as as I do, as I oh, do. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I was on uh, I was on uh, social media the other day, and. Uh, I saw some people making fun of some uh, some food options on Twitter. You know, the sort of uh, this this meal option isn't for me. I'm gonna make fun of it, sort of thing. Well, uh, attacking vegans again? Or... Well, you know, you see a bit of all of it. I saw, like, oh, why'd you make a vegan sausage roll? Just sell them a carrot. Uh, or uh, oh, why why does Tesco sell sandwiches that don't have butter and mayo in them? Too spicy for you? Who? Oh. Um, you know, some of that, but also some of the, like, why are people, uh, why are plastic boxes of, uh, pre-peeled oranges? Oh, God, uh, is that going around again? Yeah, it's going around again. And the whole thing's just gotten me, uh, a bit annoyed, because, uh, it's just this sort of elitist attitude, uh, that assumes that everyone's dietary 
dietary needs and abilities are the same as each other's. Yeah, although, you know, I can't deny that in the past uh, I have thought, looked at these things and thought, you know, that feels like just a terrible waste. But certainly in the last few years, I have been sort of more switched on to things like that. And I do understand it. And more recently, I have also, you know, questioned other people when they've been like, yeah. you know, what's, what's with, you know, pre-peeled oranges or pre-chopped vegetables. Yeah. Well, we should probably start with that, because that's like that's the easiest one to say why it's a problem. Yeah. Um, People have... Mobility issues. Yeah. You know, not everyone can peel an orange or cut and peel uh, a carrot, for example. Yeah. You know, sometimes people need the ability to just buy a thing pre-prepared so that they can use it, and that is totally a valid thing. Yeah. Um... But, like, even beyond that, looking at those other examples, uh, you know, I, I saw people making fun of the, these, uh, you know, sandwiches with no butter and mayo. It's like, well, what if you're a person, if you're a person like me who do, does not really eat either of those things, who struggles to eat them for texture reasons, um, it's very difficult to find a prepackaged sandwich in the UK that doesn't have those in it. Everything's got butter and mayonnaise in yeah, it. Yeah, what if you've got, like, a dairy allergy? <laughs> exactly. It's, you know, it's just a case of making more things available to more people. Just because you don't need to avoid butter and mayonnaise in your sandwiches doesn't mean that some someone like me won't see that and go, thank goodness, a prepackaged sandwich I can eat. Yeah. Um... And again, uh, looking at, uh, you know, vegan sausage rolls, for example, existing, you know, you might have fruit and veg options for for people who don't eat meat, but part of incentivising people to eat less meat is having those comfort food type options available, you know, the things that you crave that make you tempted to, you know, go back on some of these... uh, well, yeah, and there was there, there was some of this uh, at my work. You know, there was uh, you know someone someone had brought in like a bunch of snacks, and uh, you know we got a, a couple of vegans in the office, and they were like, "Well, you know, you why? Well, you you say you've brought in something for everyone, but we can't eat any of this." And they're like, "Well, you know, I bought, I bought you know some oranges or something." Yeah. And, you know, one of them has sensory issues whereby, you know, citrus is, is a big issue. Oh, same, same for me. Same yeah. for me. Yeah. So, you know, for the, for them, that isn't an option. And to just go, well, you know, have a carrot or have whatever. Well, why doesn't everyone just have carrots then? Yeah, if, exactly. If that's what you're planning on, on giving to everyone, a healthy snack, yeah. why did you not just buy healthy snacks? You know, you can buy, you know, there's all sorts of flavours of Pringles that are vegan. Yeah. And... You know, like the barbecue ones. Yeah. Like, that's that's something that... One of the more popular flavours that a lot of people will eat. But you've you've chosen to get everything that, you know, has got a bit of milk in it. And maybe you don't think about that because you're not. But if you are saying, I'm getting something for everyone. I'm catering for everyone. Yeah. You have to actually do that. Well, that's rather it. Rather than, you know, constantly letting... A group of people down, if especially if you work in close proximity to them, and you know this is a thing that happens again and again and again, and they are just constantly left out. Yeah, well, I think just we can summarise this whole point as be thoughtful about food options for others, but also you know don't ridicule other people. You know, don't ridicule food options that just aren't for you. Yeah, exactly. And assume that they're for no one. Yeah, just because it's not for you doesn't mean it's not for anyone. Yeah. Just because you have got so used to you being the default, 
Yeah. Don't expect that to always be the case. The future will be intersectional. Indeed. Sure, that hug. I would very much like that hug, mate. Yeah. Oh, good hug, mate. Good hug. Good hug. Well, well, I'll uh, pop the kettle on you. Yeah, have that cup of tea. Nice, nice. Lord of me. Where can we find you on the internet, darling? Laura K. Buzz in all of the places. In all of the places. Laura K. Buzz on Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, Patreon. That's the one that pays the bills. If you can afford to donate a dollar a month or more on Patreon, please do. Every year this time of year there is a noticeable dip in Patreon support and like this time of year it really 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 helps if if you're willing and able to, to chip in. This is a time of year when it's appreciated very 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 much. Um, other than that I've got some books, Uncomfortable Labels, it's about being gay and trans and on the autism spectrum and it is out now where books are sold or as an audiobook on laurakbuzzstore.com. There is Things I Learned from Mario's Butt, which is a silly and serious illustrated coffee table book of video game character butt reviews with a bunch of developer interviews and guest critics, and that's coming out in October 2020. If you want to get it early, back it on Patreon, like, uh, back it on Unbound, like, soon. Other than that, I do a bunch of shows. Pixel Square, it is a video game porn review show. Uh, Podquisition, where we tell you if your favourite video games are great or perfect. And Dice Funk, which is a Dungeons and Dragons podcast. Uh, I am on seasons three, uh, three, four, five, and six. Each season's a self-contained story. Uh, Jane, what do you do? Where am I? Where are you? Where am I? I am on patreon.com slash don'tmonkeyradio. That's where you can do me a support. And I'd like to say thank you to Callum Turner. I'm uh, sorry. Callum, hey, thanks for the excellent work, Turner. Cassiopeia Swift, Constantine Cune. Uh, uh, Basin is back. Jaden. J. Logan Conduit of Creative Mage of Life. Jürgen Indie Monster Weinrich Furde, Conduit of uh, uh, and Lactose Intolerance, I think that's going to be. Because it cuts off at the end. Uh, Kellogy wishes she'd remember to change her name in time. Uh, Larry Yelling NB. Uh, Math Tiger says there is a 43.47% chance that Moots is a ha. hamster. Could be a hamster. Moose is a human. Oh no. What if Moose was a human? <gasps> uh, Robert Robin Harding. Robin uh, loves Dedu Molinaro. Uh, S. Kearney Goblin of the Year 2019. <laughs> Tales of Inquiry and Tallulah. Um, also, if if you if you fancy joining, that's patreoncom slash radio. If you don't fancy that, but maybe fancy like a one-off support, uh, PayPal.me/slash/JaneMagnet. I can also be found on SoundCloud.com/slash/JaneRSMagnet, where you could be listening to this now. Um, RedBubble.com/slash/people. Slash Stoned Monkey Radio, and you could get a Stoned Monkey Radio butt plug soup bath mat, or shower curtain, or a laptop slip case, or something. <laughs> it's on lots of different things, and there's new merch going up there soon. I have uh, 
I have some new designs that hopefully Ooh. I will get finished in time. I've got some time off, so I'm going to sit down and do some more work on that. Uh, where else are we? Uh, Twitter and YouTube. Um, Maniac Janiac. That's J-A-N-E-I-A-C. Because somebody stole the one without an E. <gasps> Rude. Rude. Um, StoneMonkeyRadio.blog. And there's a, a Facebook fan group. And we have a Discord. If you hit me up on Twitter, you can get a link to that. So, Laura. <gasps> Sing us out, darling. Until next time, be a stranger. I will. Spoiler, spoiler, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. So, tell me about this fucking movie. Oh, this fucking movie. Eight seconds. Uh, eight seconds in particular. So, that fucking Kylo Ren and Rey kiss. Why? 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 That is the least deserved kiss in all of cinema. It fucking should not be. Um, I went into this film and I sat down there and I was messaging my friend, like, who'd also gone to see it at midnight. And the two of us were there like, there's one thing and one thing only that I hope that this film gets right. Don't put them together. Don't put them together. Don't support the people who are there, hashtag Raylo. I'm like, no, this is a fucking abusive relationship. Not even a relationship. It's an abusive situation. (laughs) It's an abusive power dynamic where... Like, here's the thing. You should never have a romance in a series of films where I can find eight different pictures of one person crying because of what the other person has done. That is not a good setup for a romance. One of them is... I have kidnapped you and strapped you into this torture chair and are trying to rip ideas out of your mind and that's why you're crying. One is, I have just told you that you are worthless and nothing and I am the only person who will ever see you as valuable. Classic fucking gaslighting Mm -hmm. that's making her cry. Like, that's two films in a row where, like, at least once this fuckboy has gone, I'm gonna fucking make you miserable for my own gain and she cries, and somehow they fucking go, okay, I, I saw him die. I think, a, I think a kiss now would be the thing. <laughs> I saw him, I, 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 mm, I was so ready to be like, he's gonna bring her back, and he's gonna die, and that's fine, and because he's dead, there's gonna be no, 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 they fucking kissed. I'm like, no. just fucking do it the way that, um, Pacific Rim did. Have them have a meaningful hug that shows that, like, hey, I can understand that you we are reformed. We have built bridges. Yeah, we have rebuilt some connection here and it's a tender moment yeah. without making it fucking romance. Yeah. Sorry, your turn. Um, like, and, and all the way through that, like, I was sitting, uh, as I mentioned earlier, I was sitting there like, oh, people aren't going to like this. Like, the Palpatine thing. Oh. And then making them related. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. And, and it, it was going on, I was like, oh, people probably not going to, people are going to be a bit, like, annoyed about that. Oh. And I realised that it was me. I was annoyed. It, here's the thing with the with the Ray is a Ray is a Palpatine thing. I'm like, that annoys me. I wish it wasn't the case. I think it was like a completely pointless backtrack of what of a really cool thing that Episode Eight did. Well, it um, also play, played into that whole thing about like like you said about JJ Abrams wanting to just like ignore Episode Eight. Yeah. So like, I agree with you on that. Here's the thing: if they'd done that. But not the Raylo kiss thing. I'd have gone, you know what? I don't like that choice, but fine, whatever. It's fine. Yeah. I it annoys me more because it sits alongside the Raylo kiss. Yep. Yeah. O OP Palpatine. 
was the thing. Yeah, yeah. Like, there, there were moments in that where it was just like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. But I am kind of enjoying oh, the spectacle. I, I got into a fight with someone on Twitter who really snobbily was like, hey, don't pretend that episode nine, like, uh, I don't want to see any of these hot takes about episode nine made it so that you have to be part of a magic family to be good at the Force. We've had Force users before, like, uh, this random Jedi in this side thing. Uh, and Anakin, who didn't have magic parents, it's like, okay, first of all, most of those characters you've pointed out were side characters who were never good enough at the Force to be the protagonist, and B, Anakin was a product of immaculate conception. I think that is about as much I was born from magic yeah, as you can be. Yeah, he is Star Wars, Jesus. Yeah, he is the Force. His dad is literally the Force. Yeah, he is Force, um, Jesus. Yeah, I'm like, I... I really liked that the protagonist of this series of films just got to be someone, and that just anyone could be good enough to be the hero of good. Yeah, and I still and feel like it's a cheap walk back to make a Palpatine's grandkid. Yeah, and I'm like, I wasn't totally averse to the idea because I think it was expanded universe somewhere else that that Palpatine was alive, mm. or that there were Palpatine clones, or or sort of other stuff. So yeah. I wasn't. I was sort of like, oh, I guess they've made some expanded universe stuff. And I kept looking at the, the, the Sith planet. Hmm. And it, I I mean, I need to go back and watch it. But it, it kind of reminded me of, I think it's the end of season one or season two of Star Wars Rebels. Hmm. When they meet Darth Maul. Spoilers for that, sorry. <laughs> um, or just Maul at that point. Um, something about that sort of area reminded me of that. I, again, as I say, I need to go back yeah. and watch it. But like it, I was like, is is it the same planet or something? It, it feels like, like the 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 settings were interesting. I uh, I I like I said, I like the spectacle. Yeah. Like when all the other ships turn up at the end, yeah. I was like, that's like a really yeah. cool moment. And I I like the whole lightning arcing, big lightning shot up into the air. It that took was me a, a few minutes to like be well, a few seconds to just. But I went from oh god, that's so cheesy to. It's kind of fun though. Yeah. Uh, so I here's the thing about the Palpatine, uh, the Ray being a Palpatine reveal. As much as I dislike the backtracking of her parents just being nobodies, um, I vastly prefer this to the alternative that she might have turned out to be a Skywalker. Yeah. Because at the very least, I like looking for nice things to say about that reveal. Um, I like the thought that the person from the good positive light side of the force lineage was the person who ended up on the dark side doing the bad thing and the person who came from a family of Sith ended up being the good person who saved everyone and I like this idea of there's no biological essentialism yeah exactly it's you you're not inherently tied to being who your parents were and just because your parents were evil doesn't give you carte blanche to be evil yourself. You yeah. know, you can make the choice to be good. Nature, uh, not nurture. Yeah. Well, it's nurture, not nature, rather. Yeah, I, I can, I can see some value in that, and I'm glad that we got that rather than she's Ray Skywalker. No matter what she fucking says at the end of the film, I, I've decided I'm a Skywalker. Like, here's the thing: I'm not even opposed to her picking her own name and deciding the chosen family she has. I mean, it just, I, I can't. 
criticise anyone for picking their own name. No, no, I'm not going <laughs> to judge it on that perspective. The delivery was just cheesy as fuck. Oh, yeah. And here's the thing. I might have forgiven that ending delivery had it not come after that fucking kiss. I was I was in a pissed off mood already. I and think the, the, the kiss pissed me off and then every ridiculous thing that happened after that I was struggling not oh, to laugh my, really my, fucking loudly. My willingness to go along with the schlock... <laughs> Completely evaporated yeah. after that kiss. Uh, that last like three, four minutes, I was just like, "No, I'm done with your your <laughs> bullshit film." I was like, "Hold the laughter in." People seem oh, to be very engaged. We, we, with we, it. we weren't we weren't holding it in. We sighed and laughed, and we were audible. I don't think it was that audible. Oh, you, but... mm, you, <laughs> you, you were audible. Like there were people in the row behind you who could clearly hear you go. Oh. <laughs> Oh no, the, the sigh when the kiss happened <laughs> was very odd. No, the, the laugh, you did not keep that laugh in well. Neither did I, I didn't keep mine in Oh, well. it, was, it was a lot more contained uh, than it could have uh, been, I you know, you know who else was fucking robbed in this film? Kelly Marie Tran. Yeah, Kelly Marie Tran, Rose. Fucking, uh, someone pointed out very well, she gets less screen time in this film than her older sister does in episode 8, who flies the, sh- the bomber ship and has to, like, drop down and press the button and get blown up with the ship. And, like, one of her actions is to refuse the call to action. Yes. And then J.J. Abrams coming out and going, oh, well, it's because we had to use all the footage of Carrie Fisher that we had, and therefore we had to anchor her, and therefore we had to put Kelly Marie Tran on on, on the planet with, with her. And it's no, nothing it's... to do with the fact that Internet Fuckboys really hated her, and, and I, I got rid yeah. of her because of that. I, it's very clear. And that I hate episode It eight. seems really clear from the outside that J.J. Abrams is like, I don't like episode 8 because someone else made that one and they made choices that I wouldn't have made and that's a character that I wouldn't have made. So while I'm retconning everything from 8, I'm just not going to use that character. I'm going to make a new woman of colour character who can show up and like she she can she can be that role because I made her as opposed to this one that I didn't make. Yeah, also queer coding. Yeah, oh, that one queer kiss that's like two seconds and it's gone. Well, and, well. and as, as queer people have said online... Um, well, you know, they could have just been friends that were very happy about the end of the Star War. Yeah, yeah, it was deniable yeah. queer content that you can still air in China and not get demonetized. Yeah. Um, also, what was with the whole plot of it seemed like Finn was about to like propose his like profess his love to Ray multiple times in the film, and then nothing came of that. I think that's also part of why I got so pissed off by the Ray Locus is I was like. Finn kept going, Ray, there's something I need to tell you about. Can we have a second alone so I yeah, can like, talk to you? And there's here's the thing. If there's they'd also no payoff to that. Yeah, if they'd had the Raylo kiss and gone back to the planet and then Finn had gone, Hey, I love you, Ray, and she'd gone, I love you too, and they'd made out, I'd have been like, Oh, okay, you kissed this guy because he's about to die, you didn't actually love him, love him, it's fine. This is your actual romance. Maybe that would have taken some of the blow off. I'd have been more interested in Finn had been saying that to to Poe. Oh, if you watch all the interviews between John Boyega (laughs) and um, uh, Poe's actor, I completely forget his name. I can't remember. Uh, The two of them have openly said in interviews they wanted those two to get put together. They wanted them to be a romance. They belong together. Yeah. Also, well done John Boyega for your uh, recent Raylo is bullshit tweets. Yep. Um, <laughs> thank recently you. Found, someone recently watched the film and started <laughs> tweeting about it. Uh, I, th- I feel like there was maybe a you're not allowed to talk about the film Probably. until it's been out a little while. 
Probably. But, oh, John, thank you. Thank you for validating us and our mm-hmm. anger. Yeah. Um, it's, I, I like the spectacle, and I, I think it's the kind of thing that, as a kid, I wouldn't think too much about. I would go, cool thing happened on screen. Yeah, and here's the thing. Had this, you know, some of these plot threads I think could have done with having more time if they hadn't been forced, this hadn't been forced to be a, th- a trilogy. Um, like, I... If if J.J. Abrams hadn't been trying to fit two films worth of his yeah. own plot into it. Yes. I, I feel like Ray wrestling with the dark side of the Force and anger issues could have been a really interesting thing to explore. I think... Had they not backed down from it, it, I feel like it could have been a really interesting move to to explore. Did Ray blow up that ship with Chewbacca in it for more than two seconds? Because literally within thirty seconds, we see that Chewbacca's fine. It's oh, he was on a different ship. Like if we'd been forced to sit with that for a minute, that could yeah. have been a really powerful moment of. You know, introspection and... Also, like, watching Hux go down and I'm sitting there in this theatre going, who's going to feed Millicent? Oh, I I love that Hux got... Like, Hux's redemption felt, you know, earned. Quick. It felt really quick. It felt really quick, but at the very (laughs) least it was like, last film ended with him being, like, trying to be loyal to Kylo and getting fucking force-choked for trying to... trying to say a fucking word to him and going, this is bullshit, I'm out. And like that, that, that at least like it was quick, but I can understand what happened to to turn him. Kylo Ren, Kylo Ben, as I've I've been unsure what to call him. I'm calling him Kylo Ben. Kylo Ben's redemption felt so shittily unearned because it was uh, apparently killing his own dad wasn't enough to make him turn to the light, but his mum dying on the other side of the galaxy, and suddenly it's like. <gasps> Oh no, my mum, my mum, my mummy. Oh no, I'm I'm good boy now. He was a mummy's boy after all. Yeah, it it was so like he doesn't ha- have even a single line saying I understand what I have done and why it was wrong. There is zero understanding of. There's zero showing that he knows that he did anything wrong as the leader of the space fascists. I I understand a desire not to uh like. Just have Carrie Fisher die off screen. Yes, and I think they did the right thing by having her on screen as much as they did. I think they could have had her die, like, you know, maybe excuse it as she's been running herself ragged, she's used up everything she had. That didn't have to just magically make Ben good. Yeah. And I think the other problem we had with that whole thing as well is is um that whole JJ Abrams thing talking about Kelly Marie Tran yeah. was the um the the thing about that they'd been talking about doing more of the the photo realistic quote unquote uh, yeah. CGI with like uh, with Leia to try and get her to be in more scenes and then it like talking about it not being up to to scratch like delay the film yeah. You have all the money in the world, Disney. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a lot. I I think they did a remarkably good job, given the constraints they were under, of having Carrie Fisher's character be in that film and not feel like they hand-waved away she died off-screen. I think, for the most part, I was really happy with the Carrie Fisher content yeah. and how it was handled. 
I although, just... al- although that that one past scene of young Luke oh, and Leia, both of them should have been... they both look younger than they did in Return of the they Fucking could, they Jedi. They should have both kept their fucking helmets on. Right, there's um, no need for it. Yeah, but like, I don't like that that was a hand wavy excuse to 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 get Ben from leader of the space fascists to I guess he's good now and can oh, get a no, kiss. Oh no, I from made the a hero. mistake. He doesn't I even deserve say a kiss treat. He doesn't even say he's done anything wrong. No. He he, he never acknowledges wrongdoing or guilt no. or shame. No. He just shows up and fights the villains and we have to assume, oh, okay, he's good now. He's made some kind of change in himself for some reason. He threw away his lightsaber and then had nothing to fight off the villains with. Mm-hmm. I was like, your lightsaber didn't make you evil. You could have kept it for the fight. Right. Uh, and also, did you think the Knights of Ren looked like Helgen? Yeah. Like, uh, uh, And like, I know we're being really harsh on this. I had a fun time watching. I thought there was a lot to like in that film. But I want to make a fan edit of it that, you know... <laughs> just eight seconds Just removed. like eight seconds get removed. They hug. They he, She rests him back on the ground. He dies. Yeah. <laughs> Like, I know it w- it won't be canon, but fuck it. If I don't have to see it, I don't have to think about it. Also, like, I'm curious, like, given how J.J. Abrams treated episode 8, could you, in theory, watch episode 7 and then episode 9? And, uh, like, I suppose maybe you'd need to know what happened to Luke. But apart I- from that, like, I feel like episode 8 is just like, nah, fuck it. I, I honestly at this point feel like the best way to watch this trilogy would be to cut out that, that Raylo kiss, go back to episode 8, and like as much as I would hate to do this, because like she's a great character, I think the most consistent viewing experience you could have would be to do a fan edit that no longer had Rose, and no longer had the scene in... No longer had Canto yeah, Bite. No longer had Canto Bite. No longer had Rose. And this is not because I don't think these things were good, but I think. Uh, and if you remove the scene where Ray is told she's nobody, like, remove those bits, and episode nine feels a lot less inconsistent. Yes. But then that feels like J.J. Abrams made the film Fuckboys on Twitter Wanted. Yeah, yeah, like that. That's letting Abrams win with his bullshit retcon. Yeah. He's he's basically made a situation where the best way to watch the the best way to watch that trilogy is to make the retcon that Abrams has tried to force on us. It's yeah. a real it's a real fucking dick move. Yep. I'm sure we will see the fuckboy edit of, of the the new series at some point. Yeah. But I'm yeah. I'm just gonna I'm just having a look through my uh my notes that was made like uh at O three eleven. Yeah. <laughs> Directly after we watched it, uh, the Knights of Friends seemed completely wasted. Like, yeah, they turn up. They, you see them like in the back of a few shots, and then there's like that scene with them. It's just like Phasma, completely, uh, completely yeah. wasted. Cool character designs, utterly wasted. Yeah. Um, see, a lot of uh, nostalgia masturbation. Yeah. Oh, one thought: if Abrams is going to completely retcon everything done in Episode Eight, couldn't he have done the one recon that I would have uh, retcon that I would have liked, mm-hmm. which is. Oh, Phasma fell in that explosion, but survived. Phasma's back for a cool fight in episode nine and more screen time. Right. At least do the good retcon. No. No, we can't do that. Can't do that. Um. 
Uh, it was an amazing spe- spectacle. It was high on cheese, but was okay, I guess. The kiss was not okay. Uh, packed a huge amount in, but if if you're easily distracted, it was well paced. Um, it oh. was nice to see more character d- design diversity after the somewhat homogenous nature of Canto Bite. Yeah, like, I I feel like that was kind of trying to oh. represent like On... rich white people. Yeah. <laughs> On that note as well, I did like that we got to see more uh, stormtroopers who defected. That it wasn't yes. just Finn. It was nice to get that that context of like, no, there were more people who went, oh shit, this is see, not good. See, anyone can be uh, yeah. a, a child of colour that was abducted to go and work for the space fascists, but uh, not anyone can be the powerful Jedi. I mean, I think it says something that it's largely people of colour that we saw going, hey, you're all fucking fascists, we're out. Yeah. And not so many of the white people doing that. Are the white people willing to go along with the fascism they were born into? Mm-hmm. <laughs> ah. You, Richard E. Grant. Um, <laughs> yeah, the the young Lung, uh, uh, the young Luke and Leia was creepy again. Yeah, and yeah, and they looked really young. Oh, also, I did not expect them to get to Palpatine two minutes into the film. I did not expect them to Palpatine that early, and their quest for the MacGuffin was way too fast paced. They Everything just, in that film was very fast-paced. Go, go, go. Come on, we've got a the whole film to retcon. Come on! Uh, uh, I, think, I, think that's, I think that's our thoughts. Yeah. yeah. We had go. to get that off our chest. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Bye! Bye! I can, I can I can taste the two queer trans ladies. Oh, things we. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to retake that, or do you want to leave the laughter in? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>